Our sins are many, His mercy is more. But like Paul said, should we use that as an excuse to sin? God forbid, he wrote. All right, today we're back in the, in the book of 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. You know, Jesus said that in this world you will have, good, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now, I've got a story where there's a new father, and he had some trouble. Now, one day shortly after the birth of their new baby boy, the mama had to go out to do some errands, as mamas have to do. So the proud papa stayed home to watch his wonderful new son. And soon after the mother left, the baby started to cry. And the father did everything he could think of to do. But that boy would not stop crying. And finally, the dad got so worried, he decided to take the baby to the doctor. Now, after the doctor listened to the father, all that he had done to get the baby to stop crying, the doctor began to examine the baby's ears, chest, and then down to the diaper area. Now, when he undid the diaper, he found that the diaper was indeed full. And here's the problem, the doctor said. He needs a change. Now, daddy looked very unnerved and perplexed. And he said, but the diaper package says it's good for up to 10 pounds. Now, the book of 1 John is one of the first... <laughs> that was funny, sorry. <laughs> the book of 1 John is one of the five books in the New Testament that was written by John the Apostle. He's the brother of James, known as the Sons of Thunder. This letter was written between AD 85 to AD 100. John was an elder man at this time. And he was helping to uh, cut off a problem that was happening in the church. He wrote for that purpose. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. That's a mouthful. We'll get there. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we look at your word, there's a stirring in us, and we know that it is you, God. It is you, Holy Spirit, that stirs our hearts. It is you, God, who we cry out and say, Abba, Father, by your presence, by your power, by your regenerative work in our lives, we are made new. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would have your way in our hearts today, that you would change the things in our lives that need to be changed. Lord, that we would leave this place differently than when we came. And we thank you, Lord, that you are calling people not just to be here to listen, but to be here and work for the kingdom, to spread the good news of the gospel to our neighbors to our friends, to our relatives, to those we meet in the grocery store, to those we meet when we're out and about, whether they have a mask on or not, Lord, we know that you touch hearts and change lives. 
and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, Amen. Life principle today. Believers overcome the world. Yes, you get to overcome the world if you're a believer. But believers overcome the world by belief coupled with obedience. By belief coupled with obedience. And that brings us to our first point. We need to be functional. Be functional. 1 John 5, 1 and 2 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves Him, who begot, also loves Him who is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Did you know that God expects each and every one of us to be in a functional family? He expects us to be a functional Christian family in our local body of believers. He expects us to be a functional church. And I believe we have a functional church here. But not everywhere does. The question we always have to ask ourselves is, is are you functional? Am I functional? Am I a functional part of the body of Christ? Or a part that just doesn't quite work? Am I like a Swiss clock, keeping time perfectly with all the gears and the mechanisms? Or am I that weird gear that's just a little out of shape that throws the whole thing off? These are the questions that we should continually ask ourselves on a daily basis. Now, this section in the New King James is absolute poetry. It is beautiful, but it can be often confusing to our modern ears. So let's break it down just a little. Basically, whomever holds that Jesus is the Savior from our sin, truly from our hearts, is born of God. If you love Jesus, then you also will love those whom are your brothers and sisters in Christ. So what does that mean? It is an appeal to be a functional Christian family. If you love your parents, you should also love your siblings, in other words. You know, however, there's a lot of people out there that come from a dysfunctional family. You ever wonder why so many churches just seem to fall apart almost out of the blue? So many families just seem to fall apart out of the blue? It it is because the family has become dysfunctional. Little things here and there begin to eat away at the stability of the family. And instead of confronting these things head on and taking care of the issues, we kind of excuse them. We let them go. We hide them under the carpet. We pretend they're not there. And then over time, the family begins to hold on to grievances until one day the whole thing blows up. It is the straw that broke the camel's back, as it were. You know, Song of Songs 2.15 tells us this. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. A family, a church family, a regular family, believe it or not, is tender. It is fragile, and so is a church. We all must take care to bind up wounds and protect the vines. It's the little things that tear families apart because those little things lead to big things. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I has also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. By loving God and keeping his commandments, we are then required to love others. Just like we said last week, he has two commandments. Really one, and that one is love. Matthew twenty two thirty seven said, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's the true, chest, tr- true test of regeneration. Do you hate those that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? Even if it's just one person. If the answer is yes, then you better make sure that you're saved because that's the test. Is there love that abides in you? And do you show love to others? Can you do it perfectly? No, no one can. But Jesus did. So because of Jesus, we can albeit imperfectly, keep his commandments. The question is not, do you love perfectly, but do you love those who are your brothers and sisters at all? Is it true? Out of a changed heart, a regenerate spirit before a holy and perfect God. Do you harbor any hate towards someone at all? Now I'm convinced and you could call me a liar if you want because this is, this is not in Scripture. But I am convinced that a Christian, those that call upon the name of Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, cannot harbor hate toward another Christian for very long. They may for a time, and if God leaves them in the earth long enough, they will eventually have a face-to-face meeting with God, as it were. They will have to have that come to Jesus moment where they have to let it go and let God heal it. You cannot pray and harbor hate. Don't believe me? Try it. I've tried it. Do you know how awful it is to try to pray knowing that you're not right? You want to talk about prayers hitting the ceiling. They don't make it farther than my lips before the Holy Spirit starts his convicting. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Let me tell you about a man named Jack. 
You ever hear the little nursery rhyme, Jack and Jill went up the hill and they kind of fell down and dropped their pails of water or whatever? Yeah. But this guy was named Jack. Now, he was, he was walking along a steep cliff one day, and when he accidentally got too close to the edge and fell. Now, on the way down, he grabbed a branch. You know how you see in those, in those cartoons, there's always that one branch amidst a sea of rock? <clears throat> I think it's that way because rocks are easier to draw, so they only draw one branch. Um, that's an FYI. That's a freebie. Take that to the bank. Now, on the way down, he grabbed a branch, which temporarily stopped his fall. And he looked down, and to his horror, he saw that the canyon fell straight down for more than a thousand feet. Now, he couldn't hang on to that branch forever. He knew. And there was no way for him to climb up. It was too steep. So Jack began yelling for help, hoping that someone passing by would hear him and lower a rope or something. Help! Help! Is anyone up there? Help! Now, he yelled for a long time until his voice was starting to become hoarse. But no one heard him. Now, he was about to give up when he heard a voice. Jack! Jack, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but who are you? And where are you? I am the Lord, Jack. I'm everywhere. The Lord? You mean God? That's me. God, please help me. I promise. If, if you'll get me down from here, I'll stop sinning. I'll be a really good person. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Easy on the promises, Jack. Let's get you off from there, and then we'll talk about what you can do. Now, here's what I want you to do. Listen very carefully. Oh, I'll do anything, God. Just tell me what to do. Okay? Let go of the branch. What? I said let go of the branch. Just trust me. Let go. Now, there was a long silence and a pause. And finally, Jack yelled this. Help, help, is anyone else up there? <laughs> like Jack, unfortunately, so too are a lot of churchgoers. Notice I didn't say a lot of believers. I said churchgoers. There is a difference. Believers are the ones that are already victorious. That brings us to point two. Believers are the ones that are already victorious. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Man, you better underline that somewhere. Not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. You can underline faith in your Bible. If, you, if you've got an iPad like I do, you can hold your finger there, and it'll highlight for you. It's pretty neat. No laughs on that. You'll get it later. Of course, my Bible has to be recharged. Yours doesn't. <clears throat> you ever feel like your faith is uh, just too stressful? You ever lost just about everything you own? Has there ever been more money or more month than money? How about this? You ever been there more than once in your life? You know, when the world falls apart around a believer, it is grievous. It is hurtful. It is not easy. However, can you imagine what it's like for those who aren't believers? Who don't know Jesus? I don't know how, how they live this life. I really don't. 
Because we as believers have a peace that transcends those times that the world just can't see. They can't understand it. Why? Because they're dead in their sins and they need Jesus to see it. If you're born of God, your love is vertical and it is horizontal to the brethren. Now, John tells us these commands are not burdensome. How can John say that when he's lived his entire life up until this this older time and seen Christians being martyred? He's He's been put on the Isle of Patmos before and released. How can he say that? when the churches are being persecuted on a daily basis. But he doesn't just say that. He goes beyond that. He says that the believer has overcome the world, that we are the victorious. Let me just say that the victory of Christ is not something that can be mentally ascended to. It is something that cannot just be taught and understood with the mind. No, this victory goes to the bone, even further than the bone, down to which is the metaphysical part of man. It is spiritual, and it can only be spiritually understood. It can only be comprehended when understood through the lens of true faith, true trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. This victory can only be experienced on a level that transcends words. It is this victory from our faith that has caused Christianity to endure over 2,000 years, not as a particular denomination or an organization, but as an enlightenment that changes minds, hearts, and lives for God. Matthew eleven twenty five says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His burdens truly are light for the believer. What is his burden? Love. How do we get and give love? Through faith. Sounds easy. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, it can be. But it can't be done apart from God. This love and faith doesn't even come from us. Do you know that? It all comes from God to begin with. So what is faith? Now, we could spend years contemplating and talking about what faith is, but I'm only going to touch on it briefly. And I know lots of preachers say that, but I'm really only going to touch on it briefly. Now, here are three things we know about faith. We know that faith is a gift of God's grace through which all other gifts come from. We know that faith is a gift of grace through which all other gifts come from. Romans 12.3 says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You see, the Corinthian church that he was writing to, 
in this day, they were reveling in the spiritual gifts, the supernatural workings that God had given them. So much so that they began to get big heads about it. And they became obsessed with the miraculous. Paul says, hey, I got something to tell you. Don't be so haughty. The faith through which these other gifts have come from, that faith, that's given. It doesn't come from you. The faith that is God's gift as well, that faith, it all comes from God. So these other gifts that you're all haughty about, guess what? They don't have anything to do with you either. It all comes from God. Number two, we know that faith is a miraculous gift that God has given. It's not just a gift. It's not just a natural gift. It's a miraculous gift that God has given to each one. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is not of yourselves? Faith. What is not of yourselves? Grace. They're gifts of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is through faith that we receive the grace of God. Faith in what? Christ crucified and Him resurrected. And of course, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That verse alone you can spend hours thinking about until the cows come home even. But Paul spends a lot of time after this verse giving examples of the concept. You can read that on your own. Number three, we know that it is impossible to please God but by faith. It is impossible to please God but by faith. Remember that Hebrews chapter 11? Skip down a few verses to verse 6. It says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God said to seek Him, and you will find Him. In Luke eleven nine, He said that. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, someone may be saying, Pastor, I agree with you, but how does this not feel burdensome to you? I got two responses. You want the snarky one or the the one that includes the snarky answer? Here's the snarky answer. He is God, and who are you to question him? That's Romans 9.20 out of context. But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? The second response, which is the full response, more full than that, it encompasses that, but it isn't the entirety of the situation. The full response is simply one word. That word? Peace. Peace. John 14, 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to you remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Jesus didn't leave the believer alone. He sent the helper. The helper is the Holy Spirit. and He lives inside the believer. So believe this. No matter where you go, you've got God with you. And in you. At all times, good or bad. 
He sees your struggles, sees your pain, and gives you supernatural peace. The word used for peace here in the original language can also mean tranquility. Did you know that? They are not separate in Greek. They are the same in this context. When the storm rages around you, it is like you are in the eye of the hurricane. You ever been in the eye of a hurricane? Well, now we live in Florida. If you're telling me you've never been in the eye of the hurricane, you weren't here in 2004. I have been in the eye of the hurricane. I was dumb enough. You're going to love this. I was dumb enough. I thought the storm was over. And I said to my pretty wife at the time, let's get in the car and go see all the damage. That was dumb. Streetlights were out. We went around the whole block. We were living in Lake, near Lakeland, in Lakeland. At the, I don't remember. In Lakeland at this time. We were around, went around the block, came back. Motorcycle. I've always had a motorcycle since I've been married. I want you to know that for the most part. So the motorcycle that I had had been tipped over thanks to the wonderful rain. So I went out there and picked it up. All of a sudden, the wind starts picking up again. I'm like, uh-oh. I think I was in the eye of the storm. My neighbor's like, hey, get inside. It's coming back. Okay. (laughs) I say all that to say this. It's like you're in the eye of the hurricane as a believer. When everything is raging around you and all everything, everything in you is calm. Only for the believer, we never leave the eye. Never. I've told people before, I would rather live in my tin box of a house eating a Twinkie for dinner because that's all I can afford than to live in chaos and have no peace in my life or my household and have filet mignon in front of me. Or I may go through some bad times, but in those times there is peace. Now, some of you have been through things in your life that in my mind I say to myself, I don't know how in the world you're standing here before me. But immediately, I am reminded by the Holy Spirit of one word which carries so much power, so much meaning, that it's almost indescribable because it's supernatural. And that word is peace. That is the overcoming life. That is overcoming the world. Not having the most money, the most power, the best cars, or whatever else this world has to offer. It's about having faith in Jesus, the Savior of my soul, and His gift, the Holy Spirit, on the inside of me, giving me love and peace before a mighty and holy God. When all looks bleak, I can have peace. And guess what? I got some news for you. Only believers get to overcome the world. Only the believer gets to overcome the world. 1 John 5, 5 says, Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, I'm about to tell on myself, and don't think less of me, but there was a song in the late 80s, early 90s. I found out yesterday it was in 1989. when I was in this Christian rock phase where I wouldn't listen to anything that wasn't Christian rock. I was a lot younger. Now, there was this group named Petra, and if you don't know, 
Petros, which is what Jesus called Peter, means rock. Upon this rock I will build my church, which is the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, sent from the Father. But the name of this group was called Petra, and they came out with a a praise and worship album called The Rock Cries Out. You see the play on words there? They took one section of Scripture, and the whole song they asked one question. And you know what? It's one of their worst-rated songs, but I absolutely love it. Who is this King of Glory? They took Psalm 24, 8 through 10 and made a song about it. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your everlasting doors and the King of Glory shall come in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of Glory. Selah. Who is Jesus? You gotta ask yourself, who is Jesus? In our Americanized churches, we've been told Jesus is many things that he isn't. We've ascribed many words that people tell us that Jesus said that he didn't actually say. There's even a wonderful painting, and it, I hate to say this, but it always hung growing up in our fellowship hall in the men's bathroom. I'd see it every time I went to the bathroom. Jesus in a garden, there's a door with no knob, and he's got beautiful blonde hair, and he's knocking. I hate to tell you this, but Jesus was not a blonde-headed Caucasian surfer dude. All right? He's just not. He was Jewish. We've been told many things about Jesus that just aren't true. We say we believe in Jesus and have been born again, and many of us in this room are born again. I hope all of us in this room are born again. But why do we always talk about him and not truly find out what he said? You ever wonder that? You never, all the verses that we have, we put on our bathroom mirrors, we put on our refrigerators. A lot of them are taken way out of context and don't have anything to do with you or me. They're promises. They're promises, a lot of them to the nation of Israel. To the nation of Israel. How come we never get to see a verse that says, in this world you will have trouble? That would be more realistic. Well, that's not very uh, uplifting, brother. I'm not here to uplift you. I'm here to tell you what the Word of God says. You want uplifting? Go watch the smiley man on TV. I'm not... You want to be lied to? Go ahead. I'm not that guy. We say we believe in Jesus. But how often do we really anymore research what that means? Do we really contemplate what that means? For example, when was the last time you read one of the Gospels? I mean, sat down, read it, thought over it, meditated on it. Has it been a while? You know that supernatural peace and victory that I talked about earlier? When was the last time you actually experienced it in the midst of a turmoil? You know, to our shame, it's commonly known that after we've done everything else in the midst of a trial or tribulation, then we turn to Jesus. When it should be, I turn to Jesus and see what in the world He's going to have me do. Lord, I'm praying about the situation. Just don't be like the guy who was caught, you know, in a flood. 
his house. He was caught in the middle of a flood zone. And he gets on the top of his roof, and it's rising. And he says, God, I need help. All of a sudden, a guy in a boat comes by. He says, hey, come on. Nope, God's going to save me. I'll be all right. Guy in the boat leaves. The water rises. God, I need help. Helicopter comes through, lowers the ladder, says, come on, get off. Nope, God will save me. Then he drowned, died, and went to heaven. He said, God, why didn't you save me? He said, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. What more do you need? (laughs) Don't be that guy. That supernatural peace and victory, you can experience it again if you're saved. If you're a true born-again believer in here and you haven't experienced His true supernatural peace maybe in a long time, then I've got some words for you that you may not like. You've got a relationship issue between you and God. You know how to fix it? Spend some time meditating on God's Word. I use that word meditating. I'm not talking about the guy who sits up there and goes, um. I'm talking about meditating. How does one meditate on God's Word? You ever, you ever watched a cow eat, chew on cud? They eat it, it goes in the stomach, digests a little bit, comes back up, and they chew some more. Goes back to the next stomach, comes back up, and then they chew some more. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be with God's Word daily. You read it, you think about it, later you think about it again, and you contemplate how it affects your life and how to put it into practice. This should be happening throughout the day, over and over and over again. You should be in prayer constantly as well throughout the day. Now someone's going to go, Pastor, that just ain't possible. I got too much to do to be doing all that. Really? Let's examine that for a moment. Did you know that you can pray in your head to God without making a single sound? You know all that self-talk you do in your head all day long? Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Ladies, you can think of something your husband said in the morning, and you'll be talking to yourself and meditating on it all day long, and when he gets home, you give it to him. Oh, man, you ain't exempt either. You know that project you're working on and, a, and that problem on your project that you need to deal with and what the best solution is about it all day? You also talk to yourself about it and how you going to fix it. You get home, you kiss your wife, you start heading to that shed or porch or wherever you go for your hobbies in your house. And just as you're almost there, she lets you have it. You've both been doing it. So you know what we could do? You know what you could do? You could take all that wasted energy over things that have no eternal value and do the same with God's word instead of self-talking. Talk to God in your head all day and keep bringing up his word and talk to him about his word. Now, you know what's funny? I never heard, for a long time, I hadn't heard that term self-talk. You know, we didn't use that term. And when I first heard it and heard what it meant, I thought to myself, well, I do that all the time. I spend a lot of time talking to God. Just not his word. But I spend a lot of time talking to God. You know, God, can you believe that idiot cut me off in traffic? What a moron. That kind of self. No. Word talk. Jesus talk. Word talk. That's what we need to talk about. I say all that to say this. Believers, you have access to God's peace anytime, anywhere. Unbelievers, you don't. Why? 
Because you need to know Jesus. The question is, is will you come to Him today? You know He won't turn you away. And that brings us... If you remember nothing today, remember this. Believers overcome the world by belief coupled with obedience. Obedience can seem hard at times to live in love. But if we rely on the Holy Spirit, it's not that, bad, not that hard, is it? As the ladies come, when was the last time you actually talked about or thought about talking to Jesus in your head? That self-talk. You know, we can talk ourselves into anything. Did you know that? How about we just let God's Word talk us into some things? You know, like not sinning and confessing our sins and asking God to help us change our lives and to be more loving, to be more caring. In my case, to be more outgoing. Believe it or not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge introvert. Or I used to be. Not all the time, but I used to be. Sometimes we just need to spend a little time with Jesus. And we'll find that it'll make it all right. That's an old hymn. Is there anybody today, though, that would say, Hey, brother, I don't know Jesus. This supernatural thing you're talking about, I got no idea. Come on, I'll introduce you to Jesus. You just come up here. If you need prayer, by the way, you can come up here. I'll pray with you. If you'd like to join the church, you can do that by letter, by statement, by baptism. As we stand and sing the invitation hymn.